This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow standard orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take a seat. I said. You will obey. It is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends. Welcome to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show with the original Star Trek series. This is a show where we dive into the characters, concepts, cliches, and other things that don't start with C about the original series. My name is Drew, or Landrew, and I'm the TOS editor for the network. And with me today is my co-host, Mike, from Commentary Trek Stars. Hello. And today we have Colin from Melodic Treks, formerly of Trek News and Views. Good evening. Or good afternoon, depending on whatever time of day you're listening to it's still yeah it's morning for us now while we're recording but late afternoon for you yes getting off at dinner time what what time is it on vulcan (laughs) well this is the thing because you know this is one of the things that we have to raise because he says every seven years but is that a vulcan year Hmm. that's true Hmm. i'm sure he means human earth years yeah that's his human side talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, today we asked Colin to join us because we're doing a crossover episode. In case you missed it, on Saturday they released a, uh, Colin released a melodic treks where uh, Mike and I joined him to talk about the Amok Time fight music. So today we thought we'd cross over and do, which is a C, and do our favorite C, which is a commentary. So we've got a crossover commentary, a double C. All these which, uh, and you got Colin, which is another C. Yeah, yeah Colin, Colin crossover commentary. Three C's. Yeah. This is going to be glorious. It's just a C overload. <laughs> so uh, we're going to be watching Amok Time, believe it or not, and uh, we'll be doing commentary on it. Uh, we won't just be discussing the music. We'll talk about the whole episode, and uh, we'll start whenever Mike leads us in because Mike's. The expert at such things. Okay, just just to clarify for those people who, I mean, I'm, I'm just kind of used to this being standard operating procedure or whatever, but um, you don't have to watch with the the show. If we're doing our jobs properly, we'll make it so that you understand what we're talking about without watching the episode, even if you're not super familiar with the episode. I mean, I, I did like uh, 182 commentaries for my other show, and I listened to one with the, the the movie. So just don't feel like you have to do that. I know some people have been complaining or whatever. Not not complaining, but some people have been um, uh, disappointed by the commentaries saying like, hey, I got to go home and watch this, you know, listen to this at home instead of in my car. Just listen to it in your car. It'll be fine. It'll be yeah, all yeah. good. All right? Okay. Um, I love the way you make it sound like we know what we're doing. <laughs> well, I didn't want to do that. I mean, let's not go <laughs> overboard here. But, all right. So, you can watch the 
um, regular version or the remastered version. Um, if you're watching the, a DVD from from uh, England, that's not going to work. But <laughs> that's okay because one of us is anyway. So, all right. So that's how much it doesn't matter. All right. Great. Yeah. And I'm watching so, the remastered English okay. DVD. I'm watching the original. I'm watching Netflix. Sweet. All go. right. All the and bases don't ha- covered. And you people at home don't have to watch anything. No. You're all right. Your head. Yes. Yes. We will okay. paint a picture with words. Exactly. <laughs> so if you guys are ready, we will start this up in three, two, one, start. There we go. So here we have the Enterprise flying through space. See, obviously, this bit of Kirk climbing up the ladder, the turbo lifts are broke. Yeah, I guess so. No, he was just in that little, there's like a little side area that doesn't have turbo lifts. Ah, yeah. Is that where the Yermans are? Then? That's where <laughs> that's where the, the floor is with the hole that leads to John Malkovich's head. Is. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Another crossover. Yep, yep. <laughs> so this moment here, okay, Nurse Chapel brings the soup into the... Uh, in, in, in this box room. See how I'm narrating? Um, you are. Yeah. You're doing really well. And Nurse, Nurse Chapel is wearing a fetching blue today. Yeah. <laughs> Her hair is in a lovely updo. No, we won't do that. No. Th- there's there's a shot which is, is coming up here where she goes into the room. You hear Spock scream and the soup is flung out the door and onto the wall. Maybe one of the, the best uses of like an off-screen character an introduction to a character in a tv show ever oh god yeah <laughs> Doc. especially after hearing uh mccoy say that you know if you ask about my personal life again i'll break your neck mm-hmm. little, little trivia moment now the, the uh spock's name on the door is commander is that his first commander? name yeah, up until now. So when he's captain, his name is Captain Commander Spock? Well, up until now, he's been, he's been a lieutenant commander. So this is his... Oh, promotion for the second promotion season. Promotion for the second season. Yeah, this was... was the first episode of the second season. And it's it's interesting that they would open up with this. Uh, spoilers for later in the episode, but uh, we think that Kirk dies. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking that that's interesting. Like, I wonder if, if people viewing this for the first time were worried that they you know, brought Shatner back for a glorified cameo and then killed him off and made Spock in commander. Yeah. Maybe replacing the whole crew because one of the first things we see uh, after the the credits roll here is Chekhov. So it's like we bring in new people, you know, Chekhov who, the who knows if Spock's going to stay around. And Yeah, I don't know. I wonder if that type of thing really happened back in the day. I have a feeling it was more along the lines of like, you know, the way that Chekhov is introduced as if like, you know, whatever. Well, I brought Chekhov into the there. monkeys, didn't I? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and put a triple on his head. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but like, I think that if, if Shatner had gone, well, I mean, I think we, we can see that, you know, I, I don't think that people really thought about things that, that way in terms of television back then, you know, like, I mean, one of the things which we learned from from Mark Cushman is that, you know, this episode was, uh, okay, that's the end of the the credits. Credits. Thank you. 
it, you know, one of the things that we learned from Mark Cushman about this episode is that, uh, you know, they didn't know whether or not Spock would be back. And if he hadn't been back, I wonder if they would have even mentioned it or if they would have just been like, okay, here's another Vulcan, you know? Possibly. Possibly. There is a continuity added with the soup and all. I don't know if you guys know. What's that? <laughs> when it's, uh, and the first, when he throws it, it hits the wall. Mm-hmm. In the in the second set of shots where Spock's coming out and they they pan back around to show McCoy and Kirk standing in the hall, there's no soup on the wall. Really? Because <laughs> yeah. there is when they when he opens up the door, yeah. you can see it on the wall. But on the panel, there is it? for several episodes afterwards. Yeah, they just, yeah, they just obviously changed the panel. Uh, yeah. And there's also there's also because obviously after this they filmed um, the Doomsday Machine. And mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. they was already getting the set ready to do the Doomsday Machine. So the, the door that McCoy comes out of um, is, is slightly different to what it sh- is normally is because they've already started altering the set for the Doomsday Machine. Hmm. Look at this. Spock has a knife behind yeah. his back. Like, you know, I need to go to Vulcan. And the way that this scene is shot is amazing because it doesn't, it's not like your, your typical thing, which you would see in most TV shows where they zoom in on the knife or whatever. It's just a regular shot. And then if you look very closely behind his back, he's holding a knife, you know? Yeah. And his hands are shaking. Yeah. It's a great, great composition. And great... Does Kirk see it in this, at this point right here? Right yeah. there, I think he there does. he sees yeah. it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean this, that's this this whole episode is just is directed incredibly. Yeah, like a lot of subtle stuff you get from Shatner and Nimoy in this. Yeah, the, the, both of their performances are great. There you can see the soup. He's got all of his room with yeah. the weird lights and well, he, that's you his know, pinball he, machine. He, yeah. <laughs> well, he he shops at Spencer's. Yeah, whatever yeah. that is. <laughs> oh, poor Colin! Oh, that joke will kill in America. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Those of us in the South Atlantic haven't got a clue what you're talking about. Google it, people. <laughs> uh, I I read uh, in Cushman's yet to be released book two that uh in the original drafts of of this episode uh they were going to introduce a new character who is in love with spock who is going to make him soup and have the dramatic scene later but then uh dorothy fontana was like well why don't we just use the lady we have who's already in love with spock yeah so we get a little bit of continuity here left over from naked time now here they talk about Admiral Comac. Isn't he one of the admirals sitting next to um, Medea in in Star Trek O Nine? Or am I, I wrong be. about that? Yeah, that that's the kind of subtle thing I, I imagine that that they would have put in this. So. I, I know it is it, it's an admiral from the original series, but I can't remember which one. Yeah, I thought I think it's Comac though. Spock's really good at keeping his cool here on the bridge. Yeah, it's not making eye contact though. Well, it helps to have that blue light shining on his face. That does. Yeah. <laughs> See, I wonder what that red ball is in Kirk's quarters. Uh, red matter. <laughs> <Either that> or... <laughs> Just in case, I have some to hand. 
<laughs> it's a polo. It's a polo ball, maybe water polo ball for a. No, that's Archer. You know, as as an homage to Archer. Is that what it is? It's not. Yeah. It's not a mood light then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when he brings the ladies back. They really hadn't quite mastered Chekhov's um, wig yet. Wig know. at that point? No. Mm. No. They had to kill some more triples. <laughs> uh, there's Kirk in dad pose. Now, does, does Spock have to... Uh, I mean, like Leonard Nimoy, I feel bad for him, staring at, you know, we're going to shine this light in your eyes for mm-hmm. a while. Oh, and they're pow- they're, there goes Chekhov. Yep. Here you go, Walter. Welcome to the show. Stare at this for a few minutes. Because yeah. it's got to be pretty bright, especially when you consider how bright the lights are on a set, especially in this time period. And then for that to be brighter than anything else on the set, it's got to be like looking straight into a lamp. <laughs> what about Michelle Nichols, though? I mean, Walter Koenig's doing his first episode, and so far he's got to sit in two chairs. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't the first episode he filmed, though. No, 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 because they do like doing things out of sequence. They wanted to make sure this was... They wanted to make sure Cat's Paw was perfect. They had to work really hard on the uh, those giant cat opticals. See, that well, is... What are we going to put first? Let's put this really good character piece first. We'll put Cat's Paw out later. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll catch him on the hop. So, and it'll just, you know, we'll say it's a Halloween episode. <laughs> See, that always got me with the TOS turbo lifts. Is if he lets go of that handle, does the lift stop? I imagine so. Yeah, probably. They're very, they're very uh, unclear on the. Do you have to twist it? Do you have to hold it? It's or maybe they have to hold it to keep themselves steady because it's moving really fast. It is a turbo lift. True. True. So this this is also the new... And why don't they call it a turbo elevator? Who calls elevators lifts? Jeez. So this is another thing that gets me about is the sick bay, is that, that thing beyond Spock said, the running machine. Uh-huh. I love the running machine. Yeah, but why would you have an upside-down running machine? Because... Future running. It, it, it keeps it off the floor. You can move the bed and still... <laughs> I mean... Think about all the people whose houses are like taken up with exercise equipment. If all their exercise equipment was hanging on the wall, you'd be able to use that floor space for other things. When you were like, maybe, maybe McCoy likes to have movies, you know, a movie night in the, in sick bay. Yeah, yeah. And he wants to roll that thing out of the way and not have people, you know, sorry about the giant elliptical machine behind you. It also tickled me with the with the tilting beds that uh, the screen hand, so to speak, which is basically the extra. Had to hold the bed down. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it would have just flipped back up, and then Spock would have been launched across Med Bay. <laughs> <laughs> that would be even better. <laughs> so we we just saw a close up of um, Spock's hand, and the other thing that you could see in that hand was the uh, braids on his on his uniform. And we talked about how this is the first episode where he's a commander, so two braids make sense. But he had two braids before this. Did that ever bother anyone? Because it always bothered the hell out of me. No, because if you take TNG, the difference between a lieutenant commander and a commander is is the pip is actually filled in on the mm-hmm. commander, whereas a lieutenant commander, the pip is empty. But the pip's still there. Right, but 
the, the the equivalent of that in the original series is the the solid braid and the dashed braid and lieutenant commanders have one solid and one dashed braid so why doesn't spock in the first season he's got maybe two because he was braids. acting as first officer maybe it's That's, something to do I with guess, like a Tenuous. You know, because you can be an ensign, because <laughs> you can be an ensign and still be a captain, which I yeah. learned, which I learned from Star Trek Online. Yeah, you can still be captain of a ship and not be a captain. I wonder if it's oh, no, something well, to do with that. Uh, Harry King was an ensign and a captain. Yeah, I guess I can, that's that's the most logical explanation, but I don't like it. It's not consistent with anything else in the show. See now, this 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 image of his. Um, Betrothed, shall we say, as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, the the ears that they put on the on the child actor were actually adult Vulcan ears. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and, and they only put one on her. Which yeah, they is only put one on, and the they just filmed it from. They just photographed it from the one side. <laughs> well, Vulcan ears are like puppies' paws. You can tell how big the Vulcan will be based on the size of their ears. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, I love it. They grow okay. into them, so they grow into the ears. Yeah. As opposed to humans, where the ear never stops growing. Okay. Vulcans, Vulcans are just preset. Yeah. <laughs> my, they, my, they replaced the be background tall. in in remastered. Yeah, uh, because it was just like a wall, and now it's a screenshot from uh, Enterprise, I think, with a oh, gong yeah. in the background. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Spock's quarters are very reminiscent of wharfs. Which is actually weirder, especially when you think about, like, Vulcans, right? Like, you don't think that Vulcans are going to be like, let's take this nice portrait of you. I mean, it's probably, if they're going to take a picture like that, it's probably going to be more like a mugshot than anything. (laughs) So in in the remastered version, they're like, here, stand in front of this gong. That's not a a very Vulcan thing to do. It it looks more candid, I think, with the with the house thing. I guess. But so. you, you, you say this quarter's a lot like wharfs? What do you what do you with the mean weapons on the like, wall and that? The weapons. <laughs> yeah. Which is very unvulcan like. Yeah, but they're to... not readily available by the door like wharfs was. No, but Vulcans are supposed to be passive. Wharf was ready like as soon as he answered the door, he yeah, could no, grab yeah. a batleth and cut you in. Mind you, Wharf did have his posing chair as well. <laughs> This is an episode of TNG when his when his door chime goes and he's in his he's in his big weird chair looking in his mirror, posing, looking at himself in the mirror, <laughs> stroking his beard. And I thought, yeah, that's that's very unklingon like to be that vain. So... I don't know, the Klingons and TOS seem slightly vain. Uh yeah. In between headbutting androids and getting headaches. Same. So here we've got the scene where where Spock is uh, finally admitting to Kirk what his problem is, mm-hmm. and they basically have the Vulcan sex talk right here in the middle of this episode on primetime television. Yeah, birds and bees are not Vulcan. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I mean, we've talked. I mean, we we just had uh, Mark Cushman on on the Ready Room talking about a muck time, and and you know the idea of of this thing being recast you know, and the possibility of that, boy, it would not have worked. This episode in particular would not have worked with a different character, especially as an intro to that character. Yeah. Like, look, this Vulcan's completely unstable. And the problem with it, too, is also the relationship (laughs) with, with 
this is this episode's so reliant on the relationship between Spock and Kirk that um, if you put another character in there, it doesn't work because it doesn't have the the weight of that first season to no. fall back on. No. Yeah, and it seemed it would seem like Spock's throwing people under the bus. You know, like I'm bringing Kirk down here, and I mean, if it wasn't Spock, if it was you know Spork or somebody. <laughs> Which would be an awesome name for really anyone, Vulcan or not. Mm-hmm. Sporks. It's also interesting that uh, in the trivia section that the, the planet Altair 4 was going to be called Fontana 4. Oh, that would have been great. Uh, as a tribute to DC Fontana. But they changed it to Altair 4. That's disappointing. Do you think the capital of Fontana 4 would have been DC? Oh, yeah. Be <laughs> the District of Columbia. <laughs> yeah. Would have been Fontana DC. Oh, I love it. I'm glad that Spock knows about salmon. <laughs> well, he knows about humpback whales. That's true. That's true. He is able to identify yeah. so he's obviously humpback a, whales he's and obviously where to find a, them. a galactic marine biologist. <laughs> Then what on earth did they need? Uh, oh no, Taylor for uh, the same reason they needed an Earth historian on a starship. <laughs> so many Earth historians. Yeah, they went through them like paper machines. They went through loads. So that was almost as expendable as red shirts. Didn't help that they were wearing red. See, whatever Spock's cooking in on that thing in the back of his room is burning. <laughs> I think you might be ahead of us, no? Just he's know. just a couple seconds ahead, which okay, is great because he's queuing yeah. it up so yeah, we can see fine. it. No, yeah, that's totally something that he bought from Spencer's. I'm, <laughs> I'm so no, gonna even, Google the lights even change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spencer's. I'll explain it to our, our foreign audience. It's it's a it's a store in every mall that sells. Like uh, fog machines and those those globe like to me the quintessential Spencer's thing is the the globe with the electricity in it like mm-hmm. you see in the Mad Scientist movies you put your finger on it and all the lightning goes to your little finger basically the production design for the Borg cube the interior of the Borg cube everything anything that had a light in that on that set was bought at Spencer's oh yeah. Yeah, I think it's we got a point out here that Spock's just mangled his computer. Oh, he's about Not yet. To. Yeah. You spoiled it. Right. Poor people had never seen that. Episode. Now he's mangling his computer, oh. which is a see. Great I'm ahead shot. of you too, which is yeah. which is also interesting. <laughs> see, it doesn't matter, guys. It doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. I'm queuing <laughs> it up. I'm queuing it up. Yeah, yeah. But Spock, These skulls Spock. in sick bay are terrifying. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. not really what you want to see when you're going to sick bay. He's <laughs> row upon row of heads. I guess, I guess it's just McCoy's office. Maybe he's got like a Hamlet thing going on. And I don't know. And if yeah, if a patient came in and was like, "What would the, what are these?" You know, if I if I was McCoy, I'd be like, "Oh, these are the ones who didn't make it." <laughs> see another bit of trivia. I've got I've a got... space right here. Yeah, I've got <laughs> more. I wonder if any of it. Oh, hang on. That's Neanderthal. I wonder if one of them is Vulcan. Mm. Yeah. Well, no, because then then it would imply that McCoy knew anything about Vulcan biology, which he obviously doesn't, or he would know about Ponfar. No, he just means he knows about the skull. 
which upsets me. I've not gotten to the episodes, or did I? Where like T'Pol flat out tells everybody about Ponfar over and over and over, over again. Over and over and over again. Yeah. yeah, the secret that they're not supposed to tell anyone, but they do anyway. <laughs> yeah. And then I guess nobody wrote it down, just like how they ran into the Borg and Ferengi, and nobody nobody really noticed. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. See, another thing, the, the bit where he asks uh, Kirk requests, you know, get a trivia out again, to uh, be diverted, and he asked, he later on where he has to pay to pull some strings. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the original draft of the script as well, that was Kirk knew the people on Altair 4. Altair 6, sorry. Oh. So he just says we're going to be like... Hmm. <laughs> I know these guys. They'll let us be late. Yep. Not a problem. Oh, poor Chapel. No, she's loving this, man. She gets to go into Spock's bed. Rude. <laughs> His bed chamber, anyway. Oh. I mean, she practically sprinted down that corridor. Mm-hmm. I would still be scared. Flip out, throw soup. Well, I wonder if she came in if she clocked on the computer screen. <laughs> it's weird how Chapel is sort of not considered one of the the main eight. Mm. Like, how much screen time does she have compared to, say, Chekhov? She has surprising little screen time. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. There's just it's unfortunate. If anything, Major Barrett is constantly underused. No. Mm. He calls her Christine. That's touch it's a touchy moment there with the tear as well. Yeah. Asking for a bowl of soup. She's so happy, it's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would love to make you soup. Just Try to hit the ball this time. <laughs> I'll make it less purple this time yeah. so that it doesn't stain the wall again. So here we are at Vulcan in standard orbit of Vulcan. I, I like that the turbo lift does go sideways sometimes. Mm-hmm. This is, it's a very neat little thing that you might not notice that. You know, yeah. It needs to go more than one direction. Only Kirk's holding on, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so it's not... It it's... And you got to turn the thing, because re- you remember there's that um, the episode of DS9. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah, when they can figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when the leaf doesn't move because they haven't twisted it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, don't, I still don't know why he has to hold on to it. Okay, and he untwists it when he's done. Yeah. Right. So... Maybe it's just like, say it's putting your hand down just to put it back up again ten seconds later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It keeps you from having a separate emergency stop button too. So you can stop and have a dramatic conversation without <laughs> saying computer hold lift, which they do in TNG. In TNG, mm-hmm. yeah. All the time. Although there is there is a cue uh, about the operation of the turbo when in Kirk's eyes to Uhura in an episode, uh, clear that tube. Mm-hmm. So so Uhura can actually so they don't... control the, the turbo lift from her console. Which is why it's always waiting for him. Every time right. Kirk walks towards the turbo lift door, Uhura cues it up just in case. 
So there's to Pring. I like the red light on Spock here in his close-ups from the uh, the light from the view screen. Yeah, that's yeah. a little detail that they and normally don't try. And it's half red, half you know, regular colored. Ooh, just like Pulp Fiction, obviously. Oh, these guys. Oh, I thought were... you were going to reference that he's half Vulcan. Well, I'm sure that's what they were going for, <laughs> but obviously they stole it from Pulp Fiction. Yes. Yeah. Them time traveling people stealing from Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here's where we get into the one of the few remastered changes that I don't necessarily agree with. What's that? When they replace the uh, replace live action shots with this huge CG expanse of Kirk and Spock and them walking across this giant stone uh stone bridge Mm -hmm. and there's like it's neat having the far off shot in the distance of his hometown from yesteryear but yeah it also ties in nicely to um the search for spark Mm -hmm. when we get a similar shot but i just don't i don't like replacing the live action footage with with the painting with with CG painting stuff. But this is a cool little uh little arena that they have here. Yeah. I mean it looks like it was designed for fighting, but I guess it's I mean this is what they do for everything. It's multifunction. Yeah. It's like you know how they have like uh stadiums which where you can play both basketball and hockey. They just take out right. the floor. Like the the hockey game I went to yeah. the other day, yeah. the, it was at the Pacers basketball arena. There you go. Except not nearly as full because nobody <laughs> cares about hockey. Well, you were nobody going to like about United like States League, League hockey. hockey. Yeah. <laughs> and Kirk and McCoy don't have all the details going down here. Wait, wait, we're getting married? I thought you were already married. No, 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 you're by my spin at my wedding. We're like betrothed, but not really. It's just been an engagement. Very, very long one. But he did say <laughs> wife before, so you can understand why they're confused. He's it's, just not very Spock, good it's thing. like you said wife earlier, just for a dramatic stop, so that we could cut to a commercial. He's like, dude, I'm going through Ponfar right now, okay? If I, if I misspeak, you know, give 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 me a break. Yeah. Get off my back. Don't mess with me. Just take a look at my computer. Yeah. <laughs> the long, dramatic reveal of yeah. Vulcan wedding party mm-hmm. with the reused Romulan helmets. Kind of like a <laughs> kind of like a human wedding party, honestly. Yeah, except you don't get two men struggling to carry someone on a human. You also don't get. You also don't choose uh, one of your groomsmen to fight you to the death. Yeah, I guess it depends on the wedding. <laughs> I know, Mike. You had a really awesome wedding. <laughs> well, all I can say, Mike, awesome. is if someone turned up to your wedding with a blade the size uh-huh. of, like, you know, what he, what that guy's carrying, then you had a very unusual wedding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
mean, why, so, why is there an executioner at a wedding? That's what I want to know. You never know. You never a know. Tradition, apparently, for no, this I mean, exact reason. I can totally see that because there, there are, you know, um, I mean, weddings have weird traditions. You know, you always see things which are symbolic of other things, and uh, yeah, for that to be symbolic of something, I can totally understand it. You know. Of course, there's the well-known thing with Tapay that she was going to be. That's what um, she was going to be. Enterprise. Yeah. And also the fact that she, the, the actress, couldn't do the Vulcan salute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she had to get her fingers ready off camera and hold it before she raised her hand. Your paw is strong. Yeah. And she's like reaching his ear. <laughs> why? Okay, Kai. Why did they? Not used to pow in Enterprise. Cause, uh, well, she'd have to have a ridiculous accent. For starters, yeah. There's also <laughs> the have to pay repeat fees every time the name is used. Oh, that's what it is, I'm sure. Yeah, that's the same reason why it wasn't... Uh, why it was Tom Paris and not whatever... Uh, Tom Lacano. Yeah. Cheap. Cheap. Just so you don't have to pay repeat fees. And you wouldn't have to pay the, and you wouldn't have to like have this level of continuity that it seems Enterprise already had a problem with. It'd be really hard to be like, oh, okay, and she grows up to be, she's obviously not going to die, so we can't really put her in danger. And well, you, you could know, put her in danger, but be the only lady to turn down a seat on the Federation Council. It's like, well, so she can't help make the Federation, so. No, but I mean, if you're going to end the show with that, it's like, they're like you you were the first officer on the Enterprise. It was amazing. You want to be on the Federation Council? Nah. Nah, not really. Uh, earlier, Kirk mentioned something about uh, Spock's family being very important because T'Pau was here. Um, I wonder if they knew at this point that Journey to Babel was going to reveal that his dad was the ambassador. Hmm. It's curious. I don't know. It's interesting. The other thing with with T'Pau and all that wouldn't have worked is she makes references to you are thou art human. Mm-hmm. So that again wouldn't have worked because obviously if she was T'Pau the Enterprise, she would have had prolonged contact with humans. Bow chicken wow wow. <laughs> oh yes, prolonged contact. Did I ever tell you about my days as a drug addict? And it wouldn't, I mean, yeah, she wouldn't, if she was all super traditional and stuff, then, oh, never mind. Yeah. I was thinking, I was getting to Pring and to Pow confused. Pring and to Pow. With to Paul. Oh, gosh. (gasps) Vulcans and their names. That's like Klingons, they all begin with Kai. Except for Worf and Alexander. (laughs) Yeah, but that was raised by humans. Worf wasn't named by a human. Wolf was raised by humans. He was raised by humans, yeah. but he wasn't named by them. He was the son of Moog. Yeah, but Moog also doesn't also start not with, a K. with K. There's no indication that his dad gave him his name, though. Duras, Martog. I mean, really, we're just talking TOS Klingons are all named with K. K. Yeah. Got, yeah well, it, was, it was a cultural thing. It's like, you know, back in the day, everyone was named Mike. Michael. It doesn't really happen yeah. too much anymore. Now everyone's named Peyton or Bentley. Wow. Bentley. 
I have a friend who named her. I I, I didn't realize it. She's like, you know, they they have a two year old named Bentley, and it was only when I saw like the cover of a of a you know one of those gossip magazines. And it was like so and so from Teen Moms and her son Bentley, and I'm like, oh. I yelled at her the next time I saw her. It's like you named your son after Teen Moms. What is wrong with you? I'm sorry. I was thinking of the car. Yeah, I was gonna say. Like oh. if, you, if you name your kid Bentley, does he have to wear like a tux all the time? Yeah. <laughs> Bentley's fine. I like I like the name Bentley. Mercedes Benz. Aston Aston Martin. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's, that's a good. That's name. good name. Yeah. Yeah. See, this is where we get the conniving of a female Vulcan then. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is impressive here, her logic. I wonder how many years she's been planning this. Like, waiting for Spock. I wonder how long, you know, like... Because Spock didn't even know if it was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, if if blood fever was going to hit him. So I'm wondering if, if she was just hoping against hope that it wouldn't happen and had this plan in, his back, in her back pocket. Mm-hmm. Though she also had to plan that eventually Spock's going to grow up and he's going to be... First officer in a starship, and he's going to bring down his best friends to, you know, the wedding ceremony. Yeah, and I'll get to kill a human. <laughs> yeah, this executioner guy's... I don't understand his mask. <laughs> it's so when he lops off someone's head, he doesn't get blood splattered up his nose. Oh, okay. I guess that makes sense. And for being, you know, such a logical pacifist race, there is a lot of uh, yeah, sharp weapons and stuff, like you were saying. Well, they, they do say that uh, Vulcans, by, even by human standards, were violent. So, you know, that that's basically saying that they made us look like a tea party. Yeah, I mean, it's all tradition and, and whatnot, you know. So, so the guy who, the, the other, the other guy, the other Storm. Vulcan, the other man... What was what his name? Stern, and he's Stern, and he's Stern. Stern, Stern, Stern. So that that is the guy who was going to be the replacement Vulcan. Yes, this was his consolation prize. Yeah, is to be the other man. Yeah, and there's a very interesting exchange between him and Spock at the end of the episode, which, if you listen to in the uh, in, in in that context. Is uh, is is very interesting. It played. It has a, a whole new meaning now. Where Spock says something along the lines of, uh, "It's sometimes it's better to uh, want a thing than have a thing." Something yes. along those lines. Mm. Having is not so good as wanting. Yeah. Or something. And and the actor's just looking at him like, "You, you bastard." <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the judge of that. Here, Spock gets a lovely purple sash. Mm-hmm. It's very fetching. 
Which also like tells you, know, you we that should have somebody. We should have somebody knit those like replica, replica uh, Vulcan sashes. Do you know anyone who could do that, Drew? Uh, maybe. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but it also indicates how pre-planned it was because um, the rival had the green sash already on. Oh. So this is all pre-planned. Now I'm going to have to have one of these things, I have to study this, have one of these things knit. Next five-year mission concert I go to, uh, I'll wear it during a muck time. Yeah. You got to knit this thing and then just take it to a Novos and be like, here. <laughs> you go, this, we will be the add official this to your Novo Geek collection. Yeah. It's just, a, it's just a, a scarf. Right. But if you put it around your waist, it's from a muck time. Mm-hmm. These Dutch angles are... And the close-ups of the bells and stuff are very 60s, I feel. Yeah, and they got the handheld. They're moving around with the whole thing. I mean, it's very progressive. And uh, like this show is, the photography in this show is very progressive, very indie um, in in a lot of ways. And it's kind of unfortunate that um, when they went to uh, the Next Generation era, they sort of were like, no, no, let's play it really, really safe. Let's be really, really traditional. So that, like, so much so that you know, apparently on the the first um, uh, mirror mirror episode of of Deep Space Nine, there was like a Dutch angle, and like the executives like freaked out, like, "What are you guys doing?" <laughs> that is that is disappointing. I kind of wish that you know the next gen era stuff had been as progressive and as um, daring as the original series stuff was back in the day. Yeah, maybe that was something to do with syndication. Like, we need to be, you know, we don't want to surprise all the poor people because heaven knows what channel it's going to be on. I think it's kind of an extension of, you know, the Kirk Picard thing, you know? The original series is the adventures of, uh, Roddenberry as a young man and you know I mean next generation he's older and he's like what are you doing with your new handheld cameras you young whippersnappers (laughs) (laughs) Picard wouldn't stand for it see I do like the way the lurpers are in a a wrapped in a fetching shade of purple as well (laughs) Mm -hmm. I do appreciate they tried to make them look metal. Yes. And yeah. dangerous. It works well enough. Yeah. Better than the uh better than the batleths and stuff. Mm-hmm. Cause those are pretty wooden. Yeah, and William Shatner when when, when it gets handed to him, uh, William Shatner does a good job of like oh that's heavy. Yeah. Oh that's a lot heavier than I expected. Yeah. <laughs> Although the bit when he finds out it's a fight to the death is he's, he's the actual gulp that he does is brilliant. <laughs> it's Shatner. Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed, but he's the best. <laughs> he is. We did um, we did an episode on Trek News and Views about the captains, and uh, Chris came up with a lovely thing that Kirk would be the captain you'd have the most fun with, but Picard mm-hmm. would be the one that would get you home. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, if you're going to die, you might as well have a good time before you do it. Yeah. 
So here's where that music is. That's a great shot there where they, they the way that they sell that by having the the slice to the shirt being slightly out of frame and then they pan down just timed it perfectly. You can get you can actually get Kurt dolls with that <laughs> on it. I don't think they they don't think they're called dolls. No, they're action figures. <laughs> action Come figures. On, show some, show some respect. Gosh, mom. Jeez. Yeah. I'm surprised Kirk lasts this long against. I mean, because we got the thin air, and the. Did they mention heavier gravity? Well, that that plays into that? what McCoy does later. Yeah, well, but like the stronger. fact that Kirk can do that and like flip Spock over. It's Kirk. Yeah, it just he's... shows how incredible Kirk is. Yeah, he's a better fighter than Spock is, even though Spock is stronger and stuff. Spock's got the strength, but Kirk's got the moves. Mm-hmm. And T'Pol, for some reason, like calls a timeout. That's really good. Yeah, she, the, the hot dog man's like... The end of round one. Yeah. Round two. Fight. <sighs> It was a TV timeout, you know. Every once in a while, the, the the officials need to stop it in order to go to a commercial. Even uh, here's McCoy presenting commercial. the commercial. Yes. Dioxin, dioxin. Yeah. It keeps you breathing. That shot right there is the shot which is used uh, in the the little picture for those shirts. Have you ever seen those shirts where they have um? Is the logo is like House House MD, but it says like Bones MD. <laughs> and then they have like a cartoon oh, yeah. version of that. Yeah, him right holding there. the him yeah. holding the hypospray. Mm-hmm. Triox. I'm sorry, but this this plays into what you were saying earlier, Drew, about because he's he's panting here because he's struggling for oxygen. And look at Spock, perfect. Like, like he completely obeys T'Pol's <laughs> command, and she apparently yelled "freeze," and he just <laughs> just like it playing freeze tag as a kid. And now we've got bolus. Kirk doesn't even understand this weapon. The look he gives is just like, well, I, uh, I don't even know. It's some kind of, I, do I wrap it? Is this another? Oh, okay. Spock shows him by kicking him, bringing mm-hmm. him down. See, Kirk There's probably a thought lot it was of be a skipping contest. stunt double stuff here, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kirk just never gets a hang the hang of his weapon. <laughs> he doesn't it's even bother. Eventually, he's just like, "I'm just going to punch him in the face. <laughs> yeah. Forget it. I'm just. I'm not playing with his skipping rope. I'm just going to hit him." <laughs> oh, yeah. there's, there's the classic '60s thing about putting someone over a hot pit, <laughs> as if he's not sweating enough already. Mm-hmm. Oh, now the question is, well, okay, there's a lot. I have a lot of questions. Go for it. McCoy had trioxin. No, he didn't have trioxin with him. He had, or he was able to mix together something that makes you look dead Mm -hmm. on the fly. Yeah. Kirk, obviously, we saw him from every moment from when he finds out it's a fight to the death to now. Does he know that he's not dead? (laughs) I don't think he does. No, I don't think he does. He's just like, man, I just got my butt handed to me. I guess I'm dead. But yeah, he, he couldn't tell out. Kirk because Kirk would have would have had to make it convincing. Yeah. Right. 
Of course, but, he still could have killed him. I mean, he could have wrapped that thing around his neck and snapped his neck, and then that would have been the end of. It's Kirby. a risky yeah. game. McCoy's risky game. McCoy was playing a risky game. But it's also mm. it's also a bit concerning that McCoy carries them top of drugs around with him anyway. He's like Batman, you know. Yeah. He's got his utility <laughs> belt. You never know what you might hand need. me the shark spray, Robin. Exactly. <laughs> I was going to use this on the ladies later, but I'll use it on you now. <laughs> nope. No. <laughs> but I think Spock should suspect something here, the fact that McCoy's not trying to kill him or something. Well, what's what's McCoy going to do? Even if he tried killing him now, I mean, all the Vulcans would be like, hey, 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 you know, we don't <laughs> condone that. That's murder, right? Right. I would take out ritual combat allowed. Yeah. Right. And and Spock, you know, he's going willfully. Well, all McCoy has to do is say, I love to pring. You know, I'm, I'm going to fight Spock for it. But it's also yeah. interesting that uh, they make constant references throughout to us to the Vulcans being a pacifistic society. Mm-hmm. And yet the way that they solve their problems is by having um, is by having ritualistic combat to the death. Yeah. But it's this is this is that one past. it's that one weird thing, you know, and it's where all that stuff is released. So So you're a pacifistic society, every seven years you want to get laid or kill someone. Mm. <laughs> okay. No wonder I mean, that's, that's so stuck. That's up. the basis of Return of the Archons and the Purge and all that stuff. Mm. You know? I like uh uh earlier when Spock turns away from McCoy and McCoy heads back up to the ship, they just do the off camera transporter. You know, save a save a couple, hundred, a couple dollars hundred dollars and just have yeah. him just have him transport off screen. And really, they shouldn't be the focus. Yeah. But I think in the 60s, I would be afraid of like, all oh, right, they Star Trek's finally back on the air. And, you know, back then you never heard, you know, so-and-so's contract and all that kind of... I mean, if you didn't read Variety. Um, so I'm, you know, at this point, I would be worried. Okay, Spock's the main character now. All right. Yeah, I don't think I'd be too worried about it especially i mean like are you do you like think that they would continue a show where it's like oh yeah um i killed the captain in a (laughs) in a you know weird sort of ritualistic thing and now i'm just the captain sorry sorry (laughs) i guess i'm the good guy from now on and next week we're going to pretend like this you know nothing weird happened or anything i'll tell you what that execution i bet he was glad when they said cut yeah. Take that face mask off. Yeah. All you can smell is your own breath. Yeah. I just did some digging while you two were talking. Uh, Vulcan, the planet, so to speak, is also reused in Journey to Babel. Uh, it's Tycho Ford and Obsession. The McCulton Homeworld, Inspector of the Gun, and the Lights of Zetar. Yeah. So that planet gets and around. All they had to do to for the for the planet surface is shine a red light on the background. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then here, remastered goes into another long shot of Spock transporting away. Hmm. Interesting. So that's it for Vulcan. Now we're back on the ship for the remainder of the episode. And here's that reveal 
which is really good. It's it's very cute. This um, <laughs> do you know this was edited different for the German audience? No. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, the Vulcans mating topic was too adult for German TV. So they changed the dialogue and cut some scenes. As a result, Vulcans, he doesn't go for the pump fire, he's got a lethal disease. Hmm. Hmm. Huh. I guess with dubbing, there's a lot you can do. Yeah. And yeah. The tri- the, it was actually called Space Fever in Germany. Hmm. Okay. I got space fever. <laughs> I guess it was if it was in the seventies. Yeah, and the bit where McCoy injects him is when he, he's actually uh, experimenting. He injects an experimental drug into him. Hmm. I wonder how they explained how they why they were fighting. Gold nose. Maybe that... not the color of his sash. <laughs> the the shot where uh, where you know Spock first sees Kirk. And he's like, Jim, and he looks so happy. That's a great moment. It's a great character moment for Spock. And now we find out that they're not going to get in trouble after all. No. And we have an emotional outburst. Yeah. I still think that collection of skulls is weird. It's a little weird. I guess everyone has their thing. Maybe it's just there for Halloween. You know, he's getting ready for Cat's Paw. And he's oh, like, sense. here, here are my Halloween decorations. <laughs> McCoy's the guy who celebrates Halloween all month. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I'm going to do that thing that people do and watch one horror movie a day for the entire month of October. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what he thinks of when he gets to Halloween, like the movie Halloween. I'm sure he thinks it's really weird that the killer is wearing a Captain Kirk mask. <laughs> it's like, where did he get that? That's so crazy. And now we're at the end credits. Mm-hmm. And we get a... Instead of just having the, the normal uh, random shots from random episodes, the guest stars got their own, like, Mm-hmm. face credits which is really cool yeah they were like this is what we're going to do in season 2 this is our new thing and then by the uh, second episode they're like it's way too much work guys <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I don't want to have to go through the film and cut something out yeah. and this and blah 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 yeah. Especially we'll just show a picture of a rock for the last five if credits we, if we had digital editing that would be amazing unfortunately no one's invented it yet yeah, so we need to do have all no this idea on like what a, a steam back. Yeah. So digital thing you speak of. Sorry, dudes. All right, <laughs> so that's the end of the episode. Any final thoughts, Colin? Yeah, um, it's interesting that the, the scene in the lift where Kirk uh, and Spock and Spock's like losing it. They was going to use that in Trials and Tribulations for when Cisco meets Kirk instead of the the bit that they actually used. Where he's, can you sign this, please, sir? Mm-hmm. I was going to do that. Uh, the reason they went against it is because they didn't want Cisco to look silly. Yeah, which <laughs> okay. would have done if they used the turbo lift scene. But uh, but yeah, I'd... and Kirk would have been wearing the wrong shirt. But that's as well. Yeah, 
I think the one that the the actual scene that they did use in Trials and Tribulations worked a lot better. Worked a lot, yeah. lot better. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Except that Kirk's kind of giving him flirty eyes. <laughs> well, yeah, because Kirk, you know, in reality, is looking at a woman. Is that really weird, though? I mean, I'd give flirty eyes to Cisco. It's bald men. He's got a thing for bald oh, men okay. too. Yeah. I should have worn my baseball cap then. Yeah, he gave him flirty. He gave uh, Picard flirty eyes in Generations. He's like, oh my. Yeah, but Do you think first, he was talking about time. dying? <laughs> oh, he's like, oh my. That's an amazing uh, haircut you've got there, Picard. <laughs> I wish I could pull that off. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so <laughs> Picard's like, well, you actually could literally pull that pull off. Pull it off, yeah. <laughs> Watch how you fall off that bridge later. And, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's. I like this episode. It's it's very well written. Uh, we get we get to learn a lot about Vulcan uh, mysticism and Vulcan culture. Uh, the music, obviously, is is paramount because the music features in, like we said earlier, Games to Stratelian, and loads of other things. Uh, and if you want to know about the music, folks, go listen to Melodic Tracks episode six, which went out on the fifteenth. Shameless plug, yep. uh, <laughs> but I think it's great, and and I I wish, I mean, they've probably done it in fan fiction, you know, or in the books or something. But I would love to know what happened to Spock's ex-wife afterwards, and if they lived happily ever after, or if you thought, oh crap, <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she didn't live happily ever after. No, Mike, what did you think about the episode? I think it's really good. Um, I, I've seen this episode or seen bits and pieces of it millions and millions of times because for like a good year, this was my wife's uh, go-to episode for when she was going to fall asleep. She'd be like, okay, I'm going to bed. And then she'd turn on a muck time and it would just be <laughs> playing. So every time I'd come into the bedroom, there'd be a muck time playing on TV for like a good year yeah so um i'm I'm very familiar with it a lot more than than most episodes of the original series um and i do think it is one of the best episodes of the show i agree i mean it was on your uh marathon list yes right? it was it was on it was on mine too of, uh, yeah. ep- one of the episodes that you should start with if you're going through tos yeah i i, I like i love a mock time i think that it, it's really good that there's that they set aside an episode to give us more about Vulcans because we've got all these neat alien races and most of the time it's just the aliens of the week that we get to learn about. But it's nice to learn about the one that we spend every week with mm-hmm. and and some of the culture and customs that they have, the surprising custom and cultures that they have. Yeah, for sure. Well, Colin, where can people find you uh, when you're not commentating with us, uh, you can find me on Melodic Treks, which is also on Trek FM, um, and you can find me on Twitter at C O L M H zero one. Yeah, and uh, if you listen to this commentary and it doesn't make any sense to you, the reason is probably because you didn't listen to Melodic Treks on Saturday. So I know it's kind of out of order or whatever, but go back and listen to Melodic Treks. And then listen to this one again, and then you'll be like, oh, I get it now. (laughs) Well, Colin, thanks for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Well, that was good having Colin on. I like having a a third person on sometimes to give us another point of trivia or point of view when we're doing our commentaries. 
Yeah, and the best part is when someone else is on, then that's uh, 33% less talking that the two of us have to do. It's true. If, if it was evenly distributed. 33.33333. Well, it was fun talking to Colin about Amok Time, but that's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. The Enterprise. Because if you break it down, you've got a flying saucer with rockets. It's everything that he was trying to avoid, but it's so much more than that. He found a way to make a flying saucer with rockets make sense. Earl Grey. Encounter at Farpoint. The alien ship is literally <laughs> shooting at and killing colonists on the planet, and he's like... I haven't had my talk to talk with Beverly yet. The Ready Room. Star Trek continues. Even on just seeing a corridor wall, you'll see, like, there's just a slash of of red against the wall <laughs> that that's a stylistic choice that they were making in in that era so matt has a great eye while we're shooting a scene the orb the full ds9 it, it's a milestone in the cliff bowl directing of star trek and deep space nine defiant marks the final non-appearance of sirak lofton in a cliff bowl directed episode to the journey innocence rewrite We'll use a deflector dish to emit a tachyon beam, fire a few photon torpedoes, blow up the anomaly of the week, and then we'll just fly off into space like we do at the end of every week. Commentary, Trek Stars. Remembering Cliff Bull with Larry Nemechek. But the the thing about Cliff personally was, um, that I'll always remember and it comes through in this transcript, he's a pretty plain spoken guy. And he would call a spade a spade. And uh, how, how, what's your rating on this podcast? Are you pretty much up to uh... Warp 5? Prequel design. Or just, you know, for the sake of the actors, so they felt like in the design people, they felt like this was a real place that um, people would believe. And I, I just really appreciate that. Literary Treks. John Jackson Miller, Absent Enemies. And, and of course, the, the, you know, the larger thing about the whole phasing thing is it allowed me to tell a a story that I think had a, a, a Star Trek feel to it, uh, you know, with regard to, uh, you know, the issue of war and peace. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Windows Podcast Directory, and Xbox and Zoom. Or you can stream just directly from the website. Visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links. So let's tell everybody where they can contact us so they can leave some feedback. Maybe we'll read it on the air. You can go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. You can choose to send a show and choose Standard Orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. You can also use the tab on the right-hand side of any page and send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone, or you can talk to us and other listeners on our forum at trek.fm slash forums. In social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Mike, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at mumbles3k or you can find me um, on commentarytrackstars.com where I do commentary track stars off topic with uh, my co-hosts Max and Brandon. And you can also find me on Trek.fm doing commentary Trek stars with Max. Or email me at comtrackstars at gmail.com. 
You can find me on Twitter at 005, D-O-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V-E, where I may or may not talk about a muck time. Probably not, but who knows? Why wouldn't you? I should always talk about a muck time. Yep. Every t- any any time's a good time to talk about a muck time. That's pretty good. That's Thanks. a good one. Thanks. That's a good one. All right. Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor who helps us bring Standard Orbit to you each week. And our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Audible's a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible's the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. Mike, what do you have for everybody? Well, um, I was thinking that we could take a look at something that Theodore Sturgeon did today because he's the guy who wrote Amok Time and everyone loves Amok Time. We certainly do, and we certainly love his writing in on that. So I thought maybe it would be cool to, to take a look at one of um, the books that he has written, of which cool. there are many. So there's one here, which I've never read. I've never read a Theodore Sturgeon book, I'm sorry. But there's one here called More Than Human, and uh, it was it's narrated by Stefan Rudnicki and Harlan Ellison, another Star Trek writer. Um, you can get the unabridged version on Audible. Here's the description. In this genre-bending novel, among the first to have launched sci-fi into literature, a group of remarkable social outcasts band together for survival and discover that their combined powers render them superhuman. Together, they may represent the next step in evolution or the final chapter in the history of the human race. As they struggle to find whether they are meant to help humanity or destroy it, Sturgeon explores questions of power and morality, individuality, and belonging. Wow. Sounds pretty cool, huh? Yeah, I'd listen to that. Yeah. And as a Trek FM listener, I could listen to it for free. Yep. Uh, because you can get a free audiobook of your choice, along with a 30-day trial to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today, catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read, and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM. And lastly, there's uh, one more way you can help us keep Standard Orbit coming to you each week, and that's by adopting some uh, alien illustrations. If you go to trek.fm slash donate, you'll find eight original alien illustrations by Tobuushi, who does most of the artwork you see on the website. They're available as badges and art prints, and there are different contribution levels for you to choose from. Just let us know what you would like uh, in which format. Again, you'll find them at trek.fm slash donate, and your support helps us pay for the cost of production, hosting, and bandwidth that's needed to bring the show to you each week. Well, that was fun. I like I like commentaries. We may go to them too often, but they're so much fun. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll lay off on the commentaries for at least a few weeks until we get uh, John Tenuto back in here, but to do, you know, Wrath of Khan. So Commentary part two. Yes. The Wrath of Conmentary. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and there's the title. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landrew. Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit. Ahead, walk factor one. Hi, sir.